who's dosed in vitamin D? Some of you look like you've been on the sunbeds. I'll not look at specific people, yeah, as I look like a tomato on the face, so. Northern Irish people, we, we complain that it's cold all year round. Then the, the, the warm weather comes, then we complain how hot it is. And then as if we don't know what the sun is, we don't know to put on, well, maybe just me, you don't know to put on sun cream or whatever, so you burn, um, which is always the way, so. Aye, hopefully long may it last. If you don't like the sun, sorry, I'm praying against you. If you're praying for rain, you and me are going to be having some prayer wars, so um, I love the heat. Like Hannah says, there's lots going on. Those uh, photos just give you a bit of a glimpse, okay? We, we're not a million miles away. I know you might look at that and go, oh, no, but the, the electricians have been in, joiners have been in over the last wee while, and they uh, usually I'm the one doing this. There we go. Well, that'll do. Thank you very much. Uh, they've been in, and the stage, that main room looks, it's massive. I know it shows that we're a church, but punch way above our weight, so it's a bigger room. we just got to fill it, all right? Um, plenty of opportunity and space for your kids to run around and go, but do that. Oh, that'll be all right. I'll just not lean on it, all right? And, uh, yeah, we're not a million miles away. I mean, I would encourage you, just one last push. A lot of you have you've given a lot of time effort, and it's hard when it's, the weather's like that, to be honest. And you don't want to be in a big back corridor, so I appreciate all that you're giving. Sacrifice, it does look like something. Um, okay, so I, I would say, I don't want to give timelines, because hope deferred does make the heart sick, and I keep saying that, but we, we want to be out of here sooner rather than later, okay? So um, we'll close a lot of things and be more painting to do, okay? Well, as you can see, the theme today, it's not uh, finding Dory or, you know, although that's probably where that comes from. It's gone fishing. Because we're, we're in a season, not only where maybe a lot of you who like the fish. Hands up, anybody like the fish? Well, two people reluctantly in this side. So some of the analogies, maybe a third, might go out the window. But it was actually a funny side note. We were over at the building yesterday and a guy came to, we had a big massive floor freezer, which we didn't need. And he, he rocks up in this van. And next thing, he pulls up the back of the van and he just has mountains of fish in the back. And he was looking at, he must be opening up a shop. So I just thought, hmm, maybe this is a word for the, for the season we're in. And... We're heading into a time, like Hannah says, where you know, we have teams coming over who some of you guys will know, maybe some of you won't know. But it's a really good opportunity to, to continue to minister to people. We've been spending the past while preparing for the building, which feels like forever. But also, there's going to be opportunities where we want to continue to bless the community, but also to really go into a place where, where we see people come to know Jesus. You know, how many of you know that God's still in the business of salvations? There's a lot of people who are swimming around aimlessly that the Lord wants to bring into the kingdom. And this morning we're going to look at a very popular Bible verse. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, I, uh, I do like, I mean, I have the passage here in, in front of me on the, the, the iPad. But there's something I really feel like God says. We've got to get used to, you know, use your phones. But also, if you don't have a paper Bible, I would encourage you to bring it with you. And I know it's, it's not as handy because it's a bigger thing, but... I think we just, there's something in a, in a culture and society where truth is abstract. Truth is whatever you want to make it. In fact, if it makes you happy, then it's good truth. But what we got to do is we as a, as a community, we got to get back into to making sure that the, the scripture, that the word of God is what orientates us. You know, the, the scriptures, for me, I often liken it to milk and meat. There's sometimes when, you, when you're reading scripture, and I know you can say busy, flat out, a lot on your mind, and so on. And they're, they're excuses that we all use. But milk and meat is because there's sometimes when you, when you 
take the scripture and the word of God and it's like milk, it just nurses you. The promises of God, the, the declarations that you declare over your lives, that, you know, that who he is to us and his people, we take those and they nourish us, particularly in times where you may be stressed or there's times where you're feeling alone or life's overwhelming. But also, and culture love that. They love the things that nourish. It's important. But equally also, scripture is meat. And sometimes there's just hard truths that we got to chew on. There's hard truths that we just got to mull over and, and let it come out best in our lives. Because there's some hard truths in Scripture. There's some hard truths for our lives that, you know, I think if it's prayed that, you know, we would see, allow God to, to lead us into times of repentance. You can't repent on your own truth. We got to allow God to do a work in us. So I think it's important just, you know, it's one of those things for me, I think I got I to gotta try and bring... Um, a paper copy, or at least I know you have a phone. I'm not making you feel guilty, you know that type of thing. But maybe I just did anyway. So, um. but look, it'll be in Matthew four is where we're going to, okay? And it's a popular, it's the verse that will set up really the sermon series that we'll do for the rest of the month. Really, really looking at how do we begin to? I mean, we're a church that's outward focused. So in some ways, I am. We are preaching to to the choir with this one. But there's some things that I feel like God wants to speak to us to to help us to really do that a bit more, right? So it's going to be in Matthew 4, 18 to 22. And it's, it says this, okay, this is when Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, I want you to underline immediately, they immediately left their nets and followed him. And then going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called to them also, and immediately, underlined immediately, they left their nets, they left their boat, rather, and their father, and followed him. And what we see is, in, in this short passage, there is a sense of immediacy. It's, it's there in the, in, in the text, that they immediately left. And I often look at this and go, because we're not given really any prior context to, you know, how Jesus interacted with, with these men. And it's like, Jesus just came along, you know, like for me growing up, it was like stranger danger, you know, when somebody comes along and, and speaks to you. But there's something different that happens when God came along and spoke to these, these men and says, all, we, all, we, all we're led in to know is, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it says they, they immediately left everything and went to follow him. And it's this sense of when Jesus gives an invite, there's an immediate response. And they got up and left everything. But as I was looking at this, it was really interesting because this passage is sandwiched between Jesus' temptation in the wilderness by Satan, where he reiterated, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And then also the Sermon on the Mount on the other side of it, where it says, Jesus opened his mouth and taught them. And I was just mulling over this, and I felt like God say, our relationship with him is not only birthed by his voice speaking to us, but it's also sustained by his voice speaking to us. You see, every single person in this room follows Jesus, not by your own bat, but by in many, many different ways, his authoritative voice came into your life and spoke. He may have saved you from something. He may have rescued you from something. For all of us have come to know Jesus in a variety of contexts. And if you're here and you're on the fence still and you're like, I don't know if I fully follow Jesus, then we can sort that out. But no, most of you, I think that you've sorted that out, all right? And 
There's something that when God's authoritative voice comes, it, it does something to us. We see it that it reorientates their life. But also at a time and a, and a cultural climate that we're in, we also need to learn that it's the voice of God that sustains us. The voice of God that leads us going forward. And in fact, when Hannah just briefly was praying, there was that phrase that the, the, the joy set before us. And I just felt instantly the spirit of God on it. And for many different reasons, but I felt like some of you need to know, do you know there's joy in your future? There's joy in your future. Okay, some people. There is joy in your future over here, okay? And a lot of us have situations and circumstances that overshadow, that hang over us, that just are like a plague that don't seem to go away. And I'm not talking about family members, all right? But there's just... Oh, I thought that was some of the back going, yeah, grumbling on there. And uh, we need to know that there is joy in our future. It does not mean that circumstances may not be hard. Circumstances may not be unknown. But there is joy in our future. There is joy before us. So when there's times of temptation, what we see with Jesus, or whether you know, hearing his voice in those moments and living by his voice is, is crucial, but also in our mundane, everyday, daily lives, the wisdom of God is also invaluable. And I'll put it like this. I, I'm not going to stand here and say I'm an avid fisherman. I love fish. Hannah makes great salmon. But fishing for me is boring. All right? A few amens over here. And honestly, it's not something, I, I was more of a football person, I was more of a, of a quick stimulation, but I remember being about seven or eight, I was, I was in pri- mid-primary school anyways, and I remember my dad loves a variety of sports, he loves watching every sport on, on Sky Under the Sun, and there was a period of our life where he, he, he took me fishing, you know, he just went fishing as, as a father and son, and uh, we would wait either to, when I got out of school early and we would go to local places around or we'd wait to, to Saturday at the weekends. In fact, I remember, it's funny how the memories come back, a telescopic rod, okay? This thing was black on the handle. As you extended it out, it got a silver nice. It came from Lidl, by the way, so any German products, they were great. I thought this thing was like the bee's knees. In fact, <laughs> I remember my dad saying this rod's so good that it has the ability to catch more fish than I do. And I believed him. I mean, that was a young kid. He's like, this, this, this will catch fish. So I was going in with, I think Jerry said, expecting faith. I was, I was going in with the faith to catch the fish. And what happened was we went to places like, maybe some of you locally don't, or here are not local don't really know, but there's places like Henry's Bog, there's places like Loch Money or the Coil River, which to be honest, there's probably fish with three heads in it, to be honest, the way the state of it is. But we would go to these different places, and I, as a young kid, I just wanted all the action. I just wanted to, to have the spinners on the rod. I would be standing in. I wouldn't really be in the water or else I would drown, but I'd be throwing you know, the spinner in, wheeling it back in, doing it constantly. I was, I was probably more suited to fly fishing, but I was too young. And I just wanted all the action. But what would happen is time and time again, as I would do that, I wouldn't catch anything. Because before the spinner even hit the top of the water and sunk, I had it back in. And what would happen, I would do this, and I would get discouraged. I got discouraged because I wasn't catching anything. So after a few times... I remember my dad suggesting, look, we'll try the floats, okay? So if anybody who's fished, you know the wee, the wee floats and you put the bait on it and you leave it floating in the water for a catch. I just thought, how boring is that, all right? So as an eight-year-old kid with a tension span off a goldfish, uh, we tried the float thing. And I'd get so bored as a float bobbled around. I'd be sitting on my seat. I'd be so bored, I would lose sight of it. And I would think, oh, I've caught a fish and I would go to jump up and then my dad would go, no, it's just moved over there, you know. That type of thing. So the float went about. 
And then what would happen, <clears throat> I will say this, how many know the long game doesn't always mean the boring game? The long game in life doesn't always mean the boring game. Because then sometimes patience having its perfect work in our life is often what will lead to the best results. In fact, there's a proverb, let patience have our perfect work. All right? And I'll tell you why it leads to the best results. Because as we went on, and there's a point to this story, as it went on, as we went to all the different contexts around, I remember we went to the Coil River. Believe it or not, that's where we went. Telescopic rod in hand, all the gear, and then the net, right? And after a few spin sessions to keep me entertained, we moved on to the flutes and the beta, right? And I can remember it clear as day. It was a sunny day. We were down on the bank. It was a wee bit different than what the coil looked like now, the car park, because that was all done at a later time. And this time, as we went to the floats, I lost sight of my float. I thought, Dad, where's my float? I can't find it. And he also then couldn't find it. So what we done was we, I grabbed the rod, began to reel in, and realized I actually had something on the other line. It wasn't just seaweed. I began the, the, to wheel it in, and next thing, the, the telescopic rod went from straight to like a U. So it was like, maybe this hopefully German stuff holds out. And we're wheeling it in, and obviously then it gets too heavy for me, so my dad jumps on, and he wheels it in. There was something on the line, there was a catch. Now, in that moment, I felt like it was a great white shark. It obviously wasn't, right? But the cheap, the cheap telescopic rod, it held on, it began to bend, my dad jumped on, and all of a sudden, this thing started flopping on the water. It started to come closer, and I'm thinking, we've caught something, all this, patience, all this, and I was wheeling it in, to the point, actually, my dad had to get down in with the net and grab the fish up in the net. And it turned out I caught a six-pound brown trout. That was, I said, yeah, I think that deserves a round of applause. I say me, my dad helped, all right, but it was definitely me, all right. Now, why am I saying all that, okay? The reason is sometimes in life, what apparently comes immediately usually happens between times of faithful patience of pursuing what God's doing in our lives. I'll say it again. What happens in life that, that we think comes, came immediately, usually happens, usually is sandwiched between times of just faithfully pursuing and doing what God calls it. See, we love the immediate. Who loves the immediate? Okay, I'll ask it. Who loves waiting patiently? Nobody. Because we're in an instantaneous, immediate culture. You order it and you get it next day. We don't have to wait. We love the immediate. And I really felt like God was saying, there's some people here, and you've been getting discouraged You've been getting discouraged because it doesn't appear like God's doing the immediate thing in your life. And I feel like he wanted to say, he's doing something in your life. It may look a wee bit different, but he's doing something in your life. Because just like these passages, if we just keep going back to what God's voice is saying, now what God's voice is saying, not what we want God's voice to say, all right? That if we can press into the milk and the meat of our lives, that all of a sudden the immediate things can begin to happen. You see, there, may, there will be seasons where you have fast spinning. You have fly fishing. You're standing on the water and you're catching a lot. But then there's also going to be times where you have the floating seasons, where the float and the bait is on the water and you're waiting for an even bigger catch. Fly fishes don't normally catch unless you're in the bigger waters. You're not going to catch the bigger bait. But yet there's something about the patience that gets the bigger results. And I felt like the Lord wanted to, to say that. In fact, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance, with patience, the race that it's marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, 
Listen, and actually I didn't realize that that was, that was going to be prayed. That for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will also not grow weary and lose sight. You see, when we're running the race, when we're continuing the fishing game, we have to constantly try and get over the things that entangle us. Sometimes that's boredom. All right? In fact, some of us find ourselves, we're fishing, we've been fishing in the same pond our whole lives. Some of you have been here and you've been fishing in the same pond for the vast majority of your life. And what happens is over the years we find more people coming or fishing in that pond. And it's getting a bit crowded. In fact, our lines begin to get entangled across anybody else's line. If, ever, if anybody's ever been around a, a pond and you, you see there's too many people, all of a sudden your lines begin to cross and it hinders a catch. In fact, people just begin to fight over stupid stuff. Anybody ever know? People just begin to make mountains out of molehills. In fact, it's sometimes it's just people's, it's their life's mission just to cause hassle. In fact, what we then begin to do when we're in doing fishing in the same pond, we're doing what God calls us to do. We see someone else come along and they try something new. They've got this new lure. So then what we do is we try the new methods that they do. We try the new, you know, song or the new, you know, way of doing ministry their way or, or reading scripture, all these different things, which is fine. But what happens is we can get a sense of disillusionment. We just get comfortable doing what we're doing. And I want to say to you, there's a difference between being in a patient floating season than just floating through life. There's a big difference. Than patience and just floating through life without any vision. And what you see is that, I'll put it like this, we're we in these same ponds our whole lives, but then what we do is we hear, and I believe it's what's in this context of this passage, is that we hear of a, a, a new lake five miles away where nobody else is fishing in. And we find out and we know that the fish, they'll bite anything up there. That when you just begin to put your hook in, they'll come and they'll, and they'll be caught. And I want to, of course we would go to that pond, would we not? And what happens is that when, I believe that that's what Jesus did in that context. He came in to a group of people who were fishing, who were good at what they were doing in the pond and in the context they were in. And he showed them a different way. He says, I've got other ponds that I want you to come and fish in. Ponds that are plentiful. In fact, he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I might want to say the ponds are plentiful, but the fishermen and women are few. And what happens is when we get used to in our own wee nice pond, because what happens is this, and I'm not, I'll go here because we like the ponds that we're in. What we actually do is we begin to build a house on that pond. And then all our friends build their houses on that pond. And what happens is we no longer fish anymore. We just come along and we like to sit out and we like, we like to sit in the summer evening and, you know, we just chat and we just play, but we just give up fishing. And not that that image in itself is bad because that's very good for rest. But that, that's the way your rest day should be, not the way of your life. Because God's not called us just to get round and sit around the one lake or the one pond. He's called us to go to new ponds. Now, I'm not saying that that's a word for some of you to maybe go move to Africa, okay? Or to change job. I mean, if God's speaking to you, then let that be. But sometimes it's just God coming and redefining the pond you're in. 
giving you a purpose for what you're doing and letting his voice that leads, his voice that gives vision to begin to lead you in that. And like I says, and, and what we read from Hebrews, what are the things, I want to ask you, what are the things in your life, what are the, the nets that you struggle to let go of? Because it could have been very easy for the disciples to hold on to their nets and not go. But when the voice of God comes, we have a choice to go. Am I immediately going to go, do you know what? His ways are the better ways. You see, the nets for the disciples, it was their source of security. It was their source of income. Their source of provision. The security. It was their identity. In fact, it was also their future. And like I says, when Jesus came into the equation, he redefined all of this. Jesus wants to redefine what you're doing. He doesn't want culture to redefine what you're doing. He doesn't want culture to define why you should do what you do or the truth that you should have and believe in. In fact, there is a, there's such a way where society right now is allowing, is pandering to the, the, the few who are getting offended in silence of those who are actually intelligent. And what I mean by that is the wisdom, the truth, Society is disregarding because a couple of people get offended because they don't want to change their standard to meet the truth. And what we have to decide is you're going to have to be okay with people getting offended. I'm not giving you liberty and permission to go be a rude person. But what we have to decide is we're no longer going to go be people that are going to try to please everybody, to please truth. Now, you've got to get smart on how you do that. Ask good questions. Help people poke holes in their own Okay, that's going to be, we'll talk about that another time. But for the disciples, they were skilled at fishing. They were skilled at using their nets. But so many of us, we rely upon our skill sets more than what the voice of God is asking us to do. And how many know God doesn't always call you from what you're, called you into what you're skilled at? He wants to use what you're skilled at to transfer that into what he's called you to do. And we have to get very good and very used to going, okay, God, I'm not good at this but your voice is leading me into it. What are some of the things that God's maybe asking you to do in this season as you go fishing in the next ponds? Maybe it's praying for people. You don't like that. Maybe it's praying out loud and you don't like that. Maybe it's coming and serving on the prayer ministry team or, or joining and trying to get in prophetic ministry or, or healing. Or maybe it's trying to, to teach a bit more of God's, God's truth. There's a variety of ways that maybe God's asking you to step into because as a church and as a community, we've got to be good at doing and moving towards the very things that we're not good at. Because we like being comfortable in what we're good at. And like I said, there's a big difference between floating without a purpose and then actually being patient in what God's called us to do. The patience that is pressing in to develop the skill set or to develop the, the stickability to what God's called you to do. In fact, I'll, just for time's sake, I'll invite the guys back up. We stand, I know some of you are already thinking, I can't wait on the holidays and enjoy your holidays. But we also have an opportunity and a rhythm to go, how can we begin to see people who are living? Some people just live holiday to holiday because that's where they get the rest. But God wants to use you and I in order to co so encounter their lives that they, they live a life that they don't need a rest from. That they have so much peace that they're at peace. And that they go on holiday because their body needs it, not because their mind needs it. Now, by the way, it is good to disconnect. 
But we have a, you will see the amount of travel agents open here. And they're selling comfort. I'm, by the way, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you're not allowed to go on holiday, all right? So please hear me because I really want to go one myself. <laughs> but what is happening is an industry is selling you comfort. God's not called you to comfort. He's called you to rest. There's a difference. And we, God wants to use you and I to stay in the fishing game. To not get discouraged that when we're in the, doing patience, when we're using the floats, to know that there maybe is an eight-pound trout of a person that God wants to bring in to the kingdom. And it is that. Why do we go? You see, the telescopic rod that I was using, the gear, the net, that's the resources that God's already given us. The coil river, the lock money, the different contexts, they're the variety of the contexts in which God will use you in, whether it's your family, job, or whatever it may be. But see the catch of the day. God has so many people in your contexts that he has, unbeknown to you, swimming along. And he wants to place them on your hook, on your resources, so that he can bring them into an encounter with him. But too many people go, do you know what, I, I'm not a fisher, man. I'm not someone who is an evangelist. I'm not. And we disqualify ourselves to sit on the side and spectate. And I am preaching to the choir with this because we're a church of punch way above our weight, but it's more than this. We've been doing events upon events and we will continue to do different things to bless the community. But I do believe God wants to lead us as a community into how do we begin to see salvations? How do we begin to see healings break out? And we have to first decide within us, we don't operate in those gifts because it's something to do with us or because we have a certain type of personality. You operate in those because God's authoritative voice tells you to operate in them and he will bring the rest. And what we do is we lean on our skill set, I'm not a good fisherman. If God calls you to deep sea fishing and you're not a deep sea fisher, you better go. If he's called you to a pond, you better go. And it's something about when we look past our skill set so that we can look to God, what are you calling us to do? This is where we require to know and let, actually to let go of control and to let go of knowing the future and say, okay, God, this is so beyond what I am comfortable at. It's so beyond my radar. And there are people around this room I talk to and you disqualify yourself. But what about God wants to bring many salvations through you? People who sit around the fringes. What about God wants to use you? I, I have to tell you, there's nothing special about there's definitely nothing special about the elders in our church. Only they're the ones that said, we're going to put our heads on the line and go for this and you can pray for them daily. Or the leaders. It's the obedience. The obedience to be in the game. And my challenge to you is, are you going to be obedient to stay in the long game? This summer, this, these coming weeks and these coming months, don't disqualify yourself. And also don't try and drown out the voice of God who's an authoritative voice in your life. And that's what the challenge is. Like I says, he's maybe not calling you to move to a different country. If he is, come speak to me. But it does mean that where he has you, you begin to fish with a different mindset. You've got to just start fishing with a different mindset. It becomes a whole new pond. It becomes a whole new context. And we have to allow the the Spirit of God, the voice of God who gives revelation to, to do that for us, it requires you to be open. Sometimes he's just going to do it like he did with Saul that turned him to Paul. So none of us are safe. 
But if we participate by the Spirit to say, God, come by your authoritative voice and lead me, I feel like that's what we got to do. So as we keep leaning in to hear his voice and we stay focused on the float that he has in front of us, it means so that when the catch comes, we're ready to reel it in. I was a kid, I needed my dad's help to reel it in. But that set something in me that I could be, from the faith that he spoke over me that your rod's the better rod, even though it wasn't, that you surround yourself with people who will call you to gold and you, who will help you reel in the things, but also you got to reel it in. And that we don't get passive in our pursuit, that we go, okay, God, I'm going to be obedient. Because this is the thing. We use performance and we use too high of a standard. We, we believe our ministry has to be too high of a standard. And then we disqualify ourselves. God isn't looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. And that's what I want to leave you with this morning. He's not looking for your ability. He'll take care of that by his spirit and also training. He's looking for your availability. So why don't you stand? And here's what I want you to do. We're going to go into the guys who are going to finish in worship. And all we're going to do is between you and the Lord, we'll go into a song. And I want you to say the, the dangerous prayer is, God, I'm available. And don't do it if you're not available and you're really not going to be available. But search your heart and say, God, I'm going to be available for you. Because the Old Testament, in fact, all of Scripture is littered with what we call Christophanies, where Christ just came in in the immediate moments, spoke to a person so radically that reorientated the direction of their life. We have to be open in the mundane, in the hardships, that sandwiched in the middle of all that, that the Spirit of God can come immediately and redirect our lives. We have to ask, what's, not, what's stopping me from being available? And you'll find most of that will be an excuse. So this morning, all eyes closed. These guys are going to win this song. And I just want you to go before the Lord and talk about your availability. And when you do that, you will find the Spirit of God, the grace of God comes upon you in a whole new way. So Father, this morning, we as a community, in the midst of busyness, God, we say that's not the mission. That's not the vision that is in you. So God, as we go, there's always going to be work to do. So in the midst of all of that, Lord, we stay available. We stay attentive to your voice, to your Holy Spirit, that as you drop in to our time, to our reality, to our context and to our lives, God, help us to be available. Help us to not be so pressurized about getting the tasks done. Lord, I pray for the taskmasters in the room who cannot rest until they have the job done. God, I pray would, would we repent of that. Look, God, when your voice comes, you weren't surprised by our schedule. In fact, you interjected because of our schedule. And so this morning, Lord, Holy Spirit, help us to be available. Help us to be attentive to you so that as we continue to co-labor and participate with you, in your kingdom, you, Jesus, will get what you died for, your full reward. You will get the catch of the day, the catch of the season. And God, I just, we just prophesy by your spirit, there will be many catches in this church to come, many catches in this community to come. The people who've been swimming aimlessly and floating along lives, God, their life, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, sweep them into your kingdom. That we would see a mass movement of revival in this place. There would be, be a lot of fishers, as you've called us to be fishers of people, 
that we were to participate with you and we would see loads of people come into your kingdom. A bit like the monsoon seasons, God, people would just begin to be jumping into the boats. So Father, we pray by your spirit, would you rain fall heavy on this place? Would you stir the waters that the ponds were in? By your kindness, by your goodness, by your mercy. That we would see many great catches of the day. We would see the gold and the people you bring in from every different species, culture, color. Father, we pray that, you're, that you would be vibrant. And so God, we give it to you. But I pray, Holy Spirit, remove the hindrances that stop us from letting go of the nets that we have to carry up the new nets that you've given us. So this morning, God, we let go of our nets. You give and you take away. And if you want to give us the same net back, God, we'll take it back. But we surrender it to you, God. And so, Father, by your spirit, lead us into what you've called us to do. Amen.